Yes, Lord God, we just thank you for this time and space that's being created. We just pray now as we come into the word, the message that you'll open our hearts to hear and uh, we, you just guide us in what you want us to hear this morning. We thank you for this opportunity and pray for you to be present powerfully amongst it. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, Mr. Mitchell. Thank it's you. It's so good to have you here. Uh, Mitchell and I have been friends for a long time, and uh, we actually uh, get to do life together in quite a few ways. Yeah. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself, Mitch. Excellent. Um, so me and Caleb have known each other for about four or five years now. Um, for about three of those years, we've probably called each other best friends. Um, but myself, I... Uh, originally, I'm from the Sutherland Shire, but for the last two years, I've been going to uh, different churches. Uh, last year, I was in the Lower Blue Mountains, um, part of a church plan up there. And then this year, I was part of a church plan out in Blacktown. Um, I'm studying at ACOM, Australian College of Ministries, I'm just entering into my fifth year of study. Um, even though I haven't finished my bachelor yet, I study at a pace which is comfortable for me. Paper doesn't really actually, you know, make oh, you yes. ready for ministry. Oh, <laughs> I like to practice along the way, so I'm not studying full-time, but I'm just enjoying learning about God as I live in His kingdom. And, and it's been awesome to watch Mitch grow as he has in that time and just how he's been involved in his missions and so deliberate and intentional in how he's let God in this time actually shape and form him as a person. And so we have the awesome privilege this morning to actually hear from Mitch. And uh, we've been working through Mark all last year and we got about just over halfway. Oh. 29 sermons and we got to chapter 11. Hey, that's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. But uh, we, what we're doing over this summer is we've asked a few people that we just love to hear from and uh, said, what's your favorite part of Mark, preferably in the early part? And would you share? So Mitch, why don't you tell us what you've picked and read it out for us. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so I've picked Mark 5, 1 to 20, um, which is Jesus, re Jesus restores a demon-possessed man. Um, I love this story. Uh, it's something which is almost like a Marvel movie or something which you'd see, you know, Superman in. Um, it's far-fetched. It's different from much of the Bible. So often we hear about Jesus um, either casting out a demon or one of the disciples doing it. But this, for me, is such like... It's a pinnacle of that. It's a story about not a man which is not just possessed by a demon, but by a legion uh, of demons. And for me, I'm just like, wow, this is, this is something which I don't hear of. This is something totally. which in our world is, what? Wait, this is in the Bible. We know this is true, but I've never seen anything like this. Does this even happen these days anymore? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. Awesome. Um, so I might read the passage. So Mark 5, uh, verse 1 to 20, um, and it'll come up on the screen. I'm reading from the NLT version. Um, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of uh, Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, he, um, as he was often, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with, sh himself with sharp stones. Uh, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, 
Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them the permission. Um, The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the men started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the, um, the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he had told them. That's an awesome story, hey? I can see why you describe it sort of like a movie. It's just so visual and like imagery. Uh, Tell me, Mitch, first things first, what is it that stands out for you in in a story like this and actually this particular account of the version? Excellent. Um, So the story, it's Jesus coming across the lake. A demon sees him and... I love the fact that the demon doesn't run, it doesn't hide, it knows that it has been seen, that the Lord on high has come to its land and it comes straight to him, realising the authority of Christ in this moment. Begging with Christ, do not send me far away, do not, do not break me apart, right? Even just send me into the pigs, even that's better than what might happen. Um, and so for me, it's this idea of this is so different to what we're used to. Uh, We're used to in this Western world, in the Southern Shire, our context, um, to never hear or see anything like this. And so often when we read the Bible, uh, we like to think, can I put myself in the context of the story? Um, Can I put myself in 2,000 years ago? What was it like? What were the people like? Now, in this story, we don't get too much of what was going on around, but I think even 2,000 years ago, this was far-fetched. This was something different, right? We could go 2,000 years ago, if we were in the Sutherland Shire, would still be near the beach, would probably be fishing for a living, much like the people uh, which we read of in the Bible, many of the disciples. Um, But we would never expect to have someone who is possessed by a demon, let alone a legion of demons. And this spiritual warfare side um, of the Bible, and especially this passage, is something which we so often don't think about. Um, it's almost taboo to talk about, isn't it? You know, as yes. well. It's not just that we don't talk about it. It's kind of avoid talking about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like something which you would see in a Marvel movie or Harry Potter or it's something which we go, oh, that happens in a fictional world, but definitely not in our world. 
Um, maybe in the third world we hear of these things, the developing world over in Africa or something or in India, but not in the Western world. This doesn't happen around here. Exactly, yeah. And you hear, like, if you ever talk to someone being on a mission trip or you yourself go on a mission trip, like to Africa or to Haiti or any of those countries, they, they actually are still subdued by witchcraft. They're still uh, constantly uh, under suppression of evil spirits. And it's not just this secular thing. It's actually real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I 100% agree. And when I read the Bible, there's many ways in which you can read the Bible. Uh, as you guys did last year, it was a bit of an exegesis. What does this verse say? How do we understand the passage which we just read? Um, there's that way that you can read it as a factual understanding or you can read it as a story. Um, so often when I read the Bible, I like to picture it as a story and insert myself into the context. Um, you probably done something like this in your church. Uh, so often I see it done with uh, the Last Supper. Um, where would you place yourself at the table? Um, but in this, I like to pitch myself in the story and go, what would my response have been if I was either one of the people who had seen this happen, if I was the demon-possessed man or if I was Christ, um, and put myself in there just to make it a reality in my head. When we watch movies, we so often picture ourselves in there. It encapsulates us. But I think sometimes it's easy for us to read over this and just read it as history or as a story which happened without putting ourselves in the context and going, what would my feelings have been? What would my perception of what is happening? How would I have acted in this moment? Um, and when I read this, it makes me almost shudder. Mm. Uh, you, you read in here, the people were afraid. Not so much of the demon-possessed man. They had tried to shackle him time and time again. For them, this was probably a scary man but they were kind of used to it. But when Jesus turns up on the scene and casts out the demons, they're afraid and tell him to go away. Um, for me, that's like, wow, okay. Um, if I was in a Marvel movie and there's an enemy there and there's this big battle scene, then Tony Stark turns up as Iron Man, would I be there going, I'm afraid, go away, right? <laughs> Probably not, but I think that just speaks to the authority and the power of God and this healthy fear of God, which we should have. Realizing that God is, yes, he's our brother. Uh, we're his sons. Um, we are sons and daughters. We are loved by him, but he also does have an authority over this world, authority over us. Totally. And, and that whole idea of a romanticized picture of God, mm. you know what I mean? It's like we, we often think of him as the person that always brings the, the nurturing to us or the mm. person that we can run to when it's hard. And yes, you do, but it loses that other side, like you're saying, and I love what you're saying around that. Mm. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think in this, uh, not so much, but we can also see the authority of God and the love of God um, is something which I've been looking into a lot. And there's this idea of God as a brother, God as a, a lover, God as someone trying to save us. Um, but this healthy fear of God, you read it time and time again throughout Scripture, uh, all the way back from Moses who was scared just to be in the presence of God. Um, and I wonder with God, have we lost that fear of Him? Have we miniaturized Him to this point where He is just this affectionate person who gives us good gifts? Or do we still allow Him to have the authority over our lives? Because if someone has authority over you, there is a small fear of them. Your, you know, your boss 
Though you might be good friends, there is a small fear of he could fire me. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, you know, I wonder even in that same thought, if we take a demon understanding and make it more metaphorical, if we gave God that aspect in our life where we said, you have all authority, take these demons out of me, do we actually have that uh, vulnerability, humility, trust in a awe aspect of God to let him come into our life. Yeah, yeah. That that reminds me of a book which I recently read, Dangerous Prayers by Craig Rochelle, which is he's got these three um, positions of prayer, which is God search me and know my heart, know my transgressions, know my deep thoughts. God break me for what breaks you. Uh, let me see the pain in this world. Let me see what's going on and, and mold me. Um, and God send me, right? Send me to wherever you want. And that's kind of that. It's kind of... God, search me, break me, know me, um, mold me in your way. I give you authority over my life. Um, and the demon here realizes he doesn't have a choice. Now, we're men, we're, we're given a lot of free thinking. We, I don't know uh, so much about the spiritual world, but I'm sure these demons sure did. And when Jesus turned up on the scene, it was no question. It was, we have to bow down. We're enemies. We're on the other side, right? I fight against you and I fight against the world, but I need to bow down at this moment. Still a recognition that Jesus is the Son of God. Mm. He is still the one that's going to come into this moment and has all power and control over them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I think is great. Um, so there's the context. If we put ourselves into this context, we can go, wow, something is different. Um, and then there's the fear of God in this which I'll I just, I'm still figuring out that fear of God. I think I've still got a romanticized view of God in my head um, where it's just someone who lavishes gifts, um, but that healthy fear of God. And it's got to be a healthy fear of God because I think so many of us uh, growing up have this authoritarian view of God is if I do wrong, he might punish me. Smite me, thy holy smiter. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but... That's not God. If we read the scriptures, he is a loving God, but he still does have the authority. He is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of us. Um, and ultimately, he holds the position of judgment at the end of our days. Um, but there is this healthy fear of God going, God, you are all powerful. You can change anything. And so I'm going to give you permission to lead me. Um, I'm going to give you permission to mold me, search me, break me, send me. Um, which I love. Um, but moving on from there, I love that this man, once the demons are cast out of him, and I, I hope I would be like this if I was sitting in his position as a man who was tormented for years and years, hurting myself, uh, being shackled, that once I was free of these spirits, all I would want to do is follow Christ, right? Jesus hops back in the boat and he goes, can I follow you? Can I come with you? Can I be with you? And Christ, just like we see uh, in the Bible, Great Commission, all these different stories, uh, pick up your mat and walk, right? Uh, now that you are healed, now that the demons are out of you, go tell your family. Go, go show other people. It's the works uh, and the words of Christ, which we should be spreading to the people of the world. It's this model of mission um, set, being sent out. And I love that he just goes, right? I've been told what to do. God has healed me. Now I'm going to tell people. And I love that people are astonished at what happened in his life. 
And it's that whole thing where the effect of the good news and the message of Jesus is so much so that we can't not tell the world mm-hmm. about the change in our life. And you see it in new Christians. Hey, like when we get the opportunity to see someone step into faith, they just, they can't but help tell of the good stuff that's changing in their life, how they're becoming more Christ-like, how they're actually changing the way they used to do things or the way they used to think and things. And their world starts to notice it. It's incredible. Yeah, I think that's entirely true. Um, You know, when we all became Christians, it's normally because there was a dramatic shift. It was a releasing of our own control and giving it over to God and saying, God, I give you permission to work in my life. God, I, te- I release my control over my life and I give it to you. Um, and for every story I've heard, there is life transformational work which goes on. Relationships are changed. They're built better. Uh, the toxic ones are lost. People are challenged in what they do, uh, their vocation, their purpose in life, right? And they start to speak so boldly about their faith because it has actively touched their lives. Um, and this man is no different. It's actively touched his life and he's going out, right? And yeah, this is a story. This is a superhero type moment. Uh, the villain in this villain, I'm just going to call him that because he would be in a, in, a, in a superhero movie, was possessed by so many people around in all the, the 10 villages, the 10 cities around him would have known of this man, right? And to see him walk down the street would have probably terrified people at first and then you hear him speak of God healing him and you go, wow, right? We can see what has happened. It, it is so visual to them. He's no longer possessed by a demon. He's no longer uh, walking around a cemetery in, in burial tombs or hurting himself and shrieking in, in agony. Um, but he's been a fully transformed person. I like it that they even say he's, he's fully clothed, right? Before that, the image is terrible. But <laughs> um, the, the change in this man's life is drastic. But I think in us, the change should also be visible. When Christ enters our life, when we are changed by God and have accepted into us, into us as we said with so many new Christians, there is a change relationships, work, the way which we posture ourselves, the things we value, our morals, the way, we, the way we talk, the way we act, the way that we choose to love first. Yeah, those are the things we hope that we start to do and we start to work towards, right? It's not an instantaneous thing, but it is a change of mindset to go, no, what would Christ do in this situation? And how do I work towards that? Yes, I might fail at times, but I want to keep coming back to that. And... I think this is a perfect story where, yes, it's very bold, the change, but the change in our lives should be enough that when we start to speak about what God's done in our lives, that people around us go, wow, I'm astonished. It's a recognizable change and something that can't be attributed elsewhere. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's mostly what I've gotten out of this, out of this passage. Um, and I do love it that it is something so different to what we normally read. Um, it's something which could be the script for a movie, but it is still Christ at the center of it. Um, And I wonder for the takeaway from this, what could we take away? Um, I don't think that in the next few days, if we go out in the boat with Harry or something like that, we're going to cross to Bundina and find a demon-possessed man. I certainly hope not. Don't know in Bundina. Don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you never know in Bundina. Wow. Um, But 
to realize that there are things going on in our world around us, um, to even notice the smaller things, right? This is grand scale, but in the smaller things in our life, to notice when something is not right uh, in one of our friends or family members and how do we actually speak into this? How do we bring God into that? How do we call out what is inside of there which is not of God and cast it out? Um, And how do we do that in a way where we don't have the exact same authority as God, but we do speak in Christ's name. All All power and authority is given to Christ. Yes, yeah. He gives us his name to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, And also that recognition, uh, I think is a big one. The demon-possessed man recognizes Christ and his authority. Um, So I'm not saying go out there and just start speaking out the junk which you see in people's lives. You have to have some authority in their life, some relationship, some some bit of um, built uh, permission to speak into those moments to then call out what is there. Um, That's one thing which I can see from this passage is how do we move people to change? How do we bring God into these moments? And then from there as well, how do we speak of these things? How do we encourage our brothers and sisters which might have changed, which God might have done a work in their life to then go and share it? Um, I know your church is doing BDC and it's what did you get out of this passage? Go and share it with someone. Uh, That idea of it's transferable, it's relational, right? We can read the Bible in these big stories, but so often uh, the stories which do impact those uh, around us in our life are the stories of our own life. God did this in me. This is what has changed because of Christ's power in Christ's power and allowing him into my life. And that's when people listen. Um, for so many people, the scripture is, it's quiet, it's old, it's, it's boring, but life and story. And that's why I think Jesus so often teaches through story. And uh, so many of the gospels are just story after story. And I think the story of our life and God in there as well is transformational to the people around. That's so good. Absolutely. Mm. And it's about that culture change that we're desiring to see, isn't it? You know, we want to see people that are passionate about talking about Jesus. Uh, we want to see people that are passionate into moving into life change. And that that's really what I, I know it's on my heart. And from other conversations that you, we have together is something that's on your heart too. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for taking the time, Mitch, to come and uh, talk to us. Oh, it's uh, been a pleasure. How about we can uh, just, let's, let's say a prayer for Mitch and, and, and what's going on in his mm-hmm. life and everything. And uh, we just want to th- say a blessing over you as we come out of this time. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the, the passage here that we've been able to look at again. And we just pray as we continue to just sit in it, meditate on it, and just observe your goodness through it that uh, this will be something that continues to just uh, challenge us and bring us into new revelation. Lord God, we just thank you for the time that Mitch has taken out of his busy agenda uh, to come and talk with us here. Uh, And we just thank you for the man that he is aspiring to see your light, your kingdom in this world. We thank you for the people that he's leading and the people that he's guiding. And we pray as he does engage over those people that you will continue to guide and lead him. Uh, pray that as he continues to push into life, he has always got his eyes fixed on you. And we just pray a blessing over him as he continues to drive into your life that uh, he will recognize and be able to observe your goodness, your providence, your blessings on him, but also you'll be able to bring him to a place of awe, wonder, fear, of healthy fear and reverence. 
Lord God, we thank you again for this time. And we pray this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. And thank thank you, Caleb, Simon and Josh and New Beginnings Church uh, for having me. Um, And I hope God grows your kingdom out of this place, multiplies your congregation and and empowers you to speak to the people of Cronulla and the Sutherland Shire. So it's been a blessing to come and uh, read God's scripture and speak about a story which I love uh, reading about and speaking about. Awesome. Cheers, brother. Thanks. Till next time. Till next time.